0: well good morning I have a few things I want to show you and um, just so you know these are instruments of death for bugs just so you know okay these things are bigger and smarter and stronger than bugs what's interesting though is that bugs will actually enter into these things voluntarily Right, they will choose to enter into and participate in the very things that lead to their doom. And that's because bugs can be deceived. Right, they, they, they see this thing that, that is ahead of them and they think, you know, um, that this thing looks pleasing to the eye and good for food. But in the end, it leads to death. So let me show, show you a couple of these things. The first thing that I have is um, this thing called a roach motel. I don't know if you've ever seen these or not, but inside each motel is a tiny bit of food that a roach thinks is tasty and good, and yet it is the last meal it will ever eat. It says right here, they check in, but they cannot check out. So they just, there you go. This is the, uh, the other thing that I have. This is flypaper, and as you can tell, it sticks to everything. How many of you have used fly paper before? Have you fly? I, I've never used it before. I'm told that it it gives this odor that is pleasing to bugs, and of course, as they are drawn to it, then they land on it and they stick, and they never fly again, ever, ever. One more thing. How many guys know what this is? Bug boy Everybody knew what that was. Yeah. All right. So. A bug zapper is, is nice because um, it, of course, eliminates these things called mosquitoes primarily, but they'll attract any bug. And the way that a bug zapper works is that you, you can't see it right now, but you turn on the light, okay, turn on the light, and a bug will see that light. And the bug will say, I like that light. I, I want to get closer to that light. That's a nice light. And so then of course it flies in and then it gets zapped with what, 5,000 watts of electricity or whatever. Now you would think over the years, bugs would wise up, right? You would think that seeing the bodies of other impulsive bugs lying scattered on the ground that a thoughtful bug would say, hey, wait a minute. All my buddies are flying to these things and never come back. So, so maybe, maybe just maybe, I should stop and rethink what I'm about to do. But they don't do that. They, they, just, they just fly right in, right? They think I can handle this. I don't need to stop and rethink what might happen to me. I can handle this, I'll be fine. And only a bug could be that dumb, right? here's another instrument of death this is an apple and I know in the bible we are not told specifically what fruit it was that Adam and Eve ate from probably wasn't an apple but there was a tree in the garden of Eden that had fruit on it and God specifically said you know don't In fact, here it says in Genesis 3 verse 6, God says, don't eat from it, but when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for wisdom, she took some and ate it. And the question is, why? I mean, every time we hear about somebody falling into temptation that just destroys their life or wrecks their marriage or ruins their career or breaks apart their family or damages their soul, you can't help but wonder why? Why would anyone choose, willingly choose to do what they know could potentially harm them? Why would anyone willingly choose to engage in activities that they know could potentially leave them filled with shame and embarrassment? Why would anyone fly into the light? And the answer is because you have an enemy and your enemy is bigger and smarter and stronger than you. Listen to what Paul says here in Ephesians 6 verse 12, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So you are in a non-stop battle. A battle not against other people. No, no, no. That's why Paul goes on. uh, He says, actually the verse before, uh, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Your number one enemy... Is Satan. His number one weapon of choice is temptation. So wisely, Jesus teaches us to pray. In the Lord's Prayer, these words from Matthew 6, 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And what I'd like to do is just share with, you know, I'd like to work through these two final petitions of the Lord's Prayer, these final two requests, okay? And, and to do that, I'd like to look at yet another Bible verse, and it's a verse that Mark read just a moment ago from 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. Because in that verse, there are three observations about temptation I want you to know. Every good Christian, every one of us should know these and be aware of these. Okay, so three observations about temptation. Let me read through this with you. Paul says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So again, three observations about temptation. And the first observation comes from the first portion of that passage from 1 Corinthians 10.13 where Paul says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Here's the first observation. This is nothing that you haven't heard before, but you should expect temptation. You should not be surprised because it's just part, when you are tempted, you should not be surprised because it is part of being a human. Even Jesus was tempted. So you should pray that God would help you to recognize that temptation and resist it. And that's important because when you give into temptation, you're allowing yourself to be torn away from God. That's what temptation does. I know we tend to in our culture today tend to, you know, um, look at the word temptation and use it in a more light-hearted way. Uh, kind of, you know, refer to certain irresistible foods like that chocolate spread. Oh, I want some of that. Or maybe to, you know, something that's a little bit, you know, like an indulgent. But that's not what temptation really, temptation is not about fattening desserts. It's not about petty luxuries. Temptation is about your soul. And Satan is smart enough to know that he shouldn't tempt you with something that's ridiculously obvious and is going to, you know, blatantly, is going to be destructive and harmful to you. No, no, Satan, when he tempts you, he tempts you in a way that is very subtle. You know, just that little blur between right and wrong, just to kind of draw you away from the security and the safety and the intimacy of God into spiritual danger. The other thing about the devil, and I'm sure you already know this as well, is that the devil doesn't just tempt you to do what is wrong, but the devil will tempt you to not do what is right. To not do what God wants you to do, which of course is to get to know him more. To walk with him through the day. To talk to him. To learn more about him. To live for him. To follow his wisdom. Satan does not want you to do that. And so Satan will tempt you with all kinds of other things. And these are other things, like Laura said a moment ago, that are perfectly fine but they push God into a corner. And it could be anything. It could be your lazy boy and a TV set. It could be your kids or your grandkids' sporting events that push God in a corner. It could be a relationship with somebody special. It could be a home improvement project. It it could be anything. Satan does not want you to do the right thing. And then he'll tempt you to think that it's not a big deal to not do what is right, saying, well, nobody else does it either. See how clever he is? Ooh, he's a dickens, at Satan. So understand, temptation is gonna come your way. Expect it. That's the first observation. You probably already know that one. But here's the second observation, and some of you may know this, but not all of you. And it's found in the second part of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where Paul says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So the second observation is that God actually filters the temptations that you encounter. He filters, God will never allow you to be tempted with, he will not allow you to, uh, he knows how much temptation you can handle and he won't allow you to be tempted beyond that point. Does that make sense? He knows how much you can handle, he won't allow you to be tempted beyond that point. He filters it. Now, before I go on, I need to just talk to you about this verse again cuz this passage from 1 Corinthians 10:13 is a passage that Christians and others will often misquote when talking about suffering or difficulty they'll say you know it'll be okay god'll never give you more than you can handle you ever hear that yeah that's not what that verse says people face difficulty and suffering all the time in fact jesus says in john 16:33 in this world you will have trouble it's coming. You know, this verse that we're looking at today talks only about temptation. So understand that. It says that God understands how much temptation you can take, and He won't allow Satan to drag you over that line. God filters your temptations. That's good news. There's more good news, though, here in James 4, verse 7, where it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So not only is God with you, not only does God understand how much temptation you can handle, but with God's power, you can resist temptation. You can say, no, you have the power to do that. So the second observation is that God filters the temptations that are constantly flowing into your life, day in and day out. And God gives you the power to not just recognize, oh, that's temptation, but to resist it. Third observation from this same passage from 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is found where Paul says, but when you are tempted, God will also provide a way out. So the third observation is amazing. God always, always, always offers you an escape route. So you will never be put into a situation. God just won't let it happen. You will never be put into a situation where you can't say no, right? It just won't happen. And in the time I got left, let me share with you three resources that I think can help you resist temptation, to say no to it when it strikes. The first resource, very common, is joy. It's joy. Joy is a powerful weapon against temptation, Okay? It is a powerful resource when you engage in authentic, genuine, God-honoring joy. In Nehemiah 8, verse 10, it says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. So if you want to resist temptation, arrange your life in such a way that you are on a regular daily basis experiencing joy. The joy of the Lord. Now, that said, just the opposite is true as well. And by that, I mean a lack of joy will make you vulnerable to temptation, right? When you are not satisfied, temptations look a whole lot more appealing, don't they? It's true. Temptation is the strongest when you are not happy, when you are not content, when you are not joyful, so the question is, what can you do to raise your joy, the joy factor in your life? Maybe there are certain God-honoring activities that you love to do and that will give you joy. Great. Maybe it's listening to a certain type of Christian music that you just love to listen to. Great. Great. Maybe it's hanging out with your family members or your friends, or maybe there's a, you know, a, a physical or a very healthy physical challenge that you enjoy, and that gives you joy. Maybe you just need to pray, God, help me to be more joyful. Whatever it is, understand to resist temptation. One of the weapons, one of the resources that you have available to you is to experience joy, to arrange your life in such a way that you are regularly experiencing, daily experiencing joy. God-honoring relationships or activities that bring you joy, the joy of the Lord. Second resource would be relationships of accountability. Because the devil is stronger than you, and because when you face temptation on your own, especially the ones that you really struggle with, and it can be very, very difficult It helps to have somebody else to come alongside of you. Somebody that you can say, hey, you know what? I'm really struggling in this area right here in my life. Would you check in on me every now and then? Maybe just randomly call me and see how I'm doing in this area of my life. And then also, would you confront me if you become concerned about how I'm acting in this area of my life? You know, in 12 step programs like Alcoholics Anonymous, you need a sponsor. You guys know that. You need a sponsor. Somebody that you can call anytime, day or night. I would argue as Christians, we need a sponsor. We need somebody that we can call when we are tempted and who will tell us over the phone, don't do that. It's going to tear you away from God. Let me just pray with you over the phone. Let me come over. Don't do it. We all need people like that to encourage us. Not for every temptation, but for some of those more signature temptations that we just wrestle with and that we fall prey to again and again. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And honestly, that's the difference between a church that engages in authentic community, that's what I'll call it, authentic community, versus one that pretends to be authentic. See, a church that pretends to be authentic is a church that, you know, you know they, they worship and they have programs, but they pretend that they don't have a temptation problem. Yeah, I had, you know, an issue a couple years ago, but I'm fine. I'm good. You now an authentic community, everybody knows they're just one temptation away from potentially shipwrecking their life. Everybody knows that, that God's truth and, and God's forgiving grace breaks through. So that it doesn't matter how messed up or ugly their lives may be. They know Christ Jesus sacrificed himself for them. In authentic community, people know that Jesus died for every, every act, every word, every thought that is covered and, and polluted with sin. In an authentic community, everybody knows that it's in Jesus, and Jesus alone, that we are forgiven by God's grace and saved. But in an authentic community, people also know that that, um, you need other people come alongside of you. Someone that you can say, hey, you know what? I need your help. And in an authentic community, people will step up and say, I'll help. Because they know that the devil, the the enemy is stronger. He's bigger. He's more powerful. And they know we all need God's power and one another to resist those temptations. So let me just ask you, okay? Let me just ask you. When you feel weak and and there's a temptation, you're feeling weak, you're going, I'm I'm heading right into the light. I'm not even slowing down. Who do you call? Do you have, is there somebody that you call? Do you have a name that pops into your mind right now? Who's name coming? If you don't have a name that's popping into your mind, let me just challenge you to ask God to put a name into your mind. Say, God, I need somebody. I need some help here. Bring a name to my mind and then help me learn how to deepen that relationship so that I can trust them with my weaknesses. That's a second resource. It's a powerful resource, right? The, resp- <clears throat> the relationships of, of accountability. When you want to resist temptation, find at least one other person, especially those temptations that you really struggle with. Find somebody that will be your sponsor. Third, third resource, and this is obvious, it's God's word, right? And you know that. God's word, you, when you immerse your mind into God's word, it will transform how you think, how you feel, how you desire. It will impact what you say and do. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, he went out into the wilderness. He was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no water. He's, and the Bible says he was hungry. Of course he was hungry. The devil is recorded, tempts Jesus three times. Jesus defeats those temptations every single time. Quick quiz. What weapon did Jesus use to defeat those temptations every single time? Tell me. God's word. Thank you. Jesus' life, his heart was so washed in God's word, he saw right through the devil's deceptions. Right in Ephesians 6, Paul calls God's word the sword of the spirit. So what part of your life needs to be washed with God's word? Maybe you wrestle with anger issues, resentment. You know, it's holding on to grudges. So maybe what you need to read is a passage like Ephesians 4.32 where it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ in Christ God forgave you. Right? Maybe you just need to read that verse again and again and then put it into practice. Maybe you wrestle with fear. You know, maybe you need to read Joshua 1 verse 9 where it says, Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then all day long, just say to yourself, Nope, I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to be afraid. God's with me. He's right here. Like the air that's all around me. See how it works? Immerse your mind in God's word. If you have an ungrateful spirit... Here's a passage, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. No matter who you are, you will wrestle with temptation. So use that resource of God's word. Let it wash over your mind. Immerse your mind into it so that you don't just recognize that's a temptation, but you avoid it, you resist it. You know, I, I put these these instruments of death up here um, to just remind you. I mean, we kind of joked about it. We kind of laughed at it, these different things and how dumb bugs can be. But I hope they serve as a, a somber reminder of just how devastating temptation can be for you in your life. I mean, for you sitting here right now, okay? All of you, for those of you watching right now, Understand, temptation can violate your integrity. It can destroy your marriage. It creates all kinds of grief and misery. It, it can uh, interrupt your worship, right? If you're sitting here in worship, uh, temptation can cause you to you know, just go off track and forget what, what's being done or not focus on what's being done. It can, it, it can cause you to hide from the people that you love the most. That's what temptation does. It can cause you to lead a life of lies and deceit. It's terrible. So, for you sitting here, for those of you watching, you know, I, maybe some of you are wrestling with the same temptation, the same one, again and again, and you're feeling discouraged. Or maybe you're wrestling with the temptation right now and things, it's not going well, to be honest. Or, truth be told, you're not fighting very hard against it. Or maybe you have been fighting, but you wonder is there enough? grace for me for me and for all of you here for all of you watching let me just tell you you yes (laughs) the answer is yes there's more than enough grace for you god's love is bigger god's love for you is bigger than your sin christ's sacrifice on the cross is bigger than your rebellion his mercy for you is bigger than your stubborn disobedience in Hebrews 10, verse 10, it says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What Jesus did on the cross applies to you here and now once for all. So it doesn't matter how many times you've fallen into, into that temptation. It doesn't matter how many times you find yourself struggling. You go to God every time, every time you fall. You just go to God in humble repentance and, and, and you ask God to wash you clean and then you trust that that's exactly what he's going to do. That for Jesus' sake, he will cleanse you and forgive you. And then, and then you go to God and you say, God, help. Use those three resources in my life. right? Fill me with joy. Bring people into my life that can hold me accountable. And, and, And then immerse my mind in your words so I can see through the tricks of the devil. You know, the enemy is strong. It's true, right? Our enemy is strong, but Jesus is stronger. He's so much stronger. He won the battle through his death and resurrection. So what does that mean? It means you don't have to end up a victim every time you're tempted. So when you pray, and we're gonna pray the Lord's Prayer in just a moment, when we get to that portion of the Lord's Prayer, I want you to be thinking in your mind, God, now help me to not just recognize temptations when they come, because they're gonna come, right? But help me resist them. Give me the power to say no, to avoid them, to overcome them. All right, so let me challenge you in a couple of ways for this week. First thing I'm going do is challenge you uh, to arrange. Let me challenge you to arrange your life so as to regularly experience the joy of the Lord. God-honoring activities or relationships that just bring you joy, arrange your life so that you experience them. Because again, when you're joyful and content, temptation doesn't have that much power over you. Second, Use God's word to resist temptation when it strikes. Follow Jesus, lead. You immerse your mind in God's word so you can see through those deceptions. And then the third thing is find someone to help hold you accountable in your life. Ask God to bring somebody into your life. This is probably the most challenging one, but ask God. Uh, it, it is a very powerful resource. Someone that you can trust, someone who will help support you and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. All right, well, let's pray about this, right? We need to ask for God's help, so let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for filling us with the joy of being your forgiven child. Give us the courage to turn to other brothers and sisters in Christ who will hold us accountable and give us the willingness to wash our minds in your word so that we can resist, so we can resist and overcome whatever temptations may come our way. Father God, I pray that you would allow us to continue to walk with you and and that you would guide us according to your your great and, and holy will. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.